Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I did this interview at the Emo Night office in LA. I think this is my first event thrower interview. They put on so many cool shows. They initially got big from doing more like throwback emo music, which everyone was obsessed with and is still obsessed with low-key. In their events, they have had Demi Lovato, Halsey, Machine Gun Kelly, Debbie Ryan, Post Malone, Kristen Stewart, Tyler Posey, Cole Sprouse, and so many others have performed. They all have such cool backgrounds of how they were before and how Emo Night got to be, so hope you guys enjoy this one. It wasn't like, let's start a whole venture. That wasn't ever yeah. that thing. It was more just like, let's get together and like play music that we like at a bar once a month. Yeah, none of it was, this wasn't planned. Like this wasn't like a planned thing. We were just like kept rolling with it. Being like, this is, what else can we do? Like what else is cool? Like what else is fun and interesting to us that like is in this realm of possibilities? So it's like, this is all, everything's new every day like we don't have five-year plan when we yeah. started we were all really excited that we found each other and that we all liked this music and that we were all really excited about starting a night um where everybody can listen to this music and kind of like get together the first ones we did was just like a house party that like we we all went to when we were like you know younger and it felt that had that same like it had that same feel, and um, I think we just wanted to continue keeping that that feel as because it wasn't something that there wasn't anything that existed like that yet here at least, and um, I think it was really important for like a lot of people here to feel like included and involved with that. Did you have any experience at all in doing events previously? Other than just like being in bands and playing shows and stuff like that, not really. Do you think yeah. that helped you though, like set up events and not navigate? Oh, stuff? for sure, yeah. Um, you know, we're we're still like not DJs and like we still don't really know how to DJ. <laughs> um, but you know, I I being like a musician and stuff, I think helped us at least have some sort of idea of like what to do, what sort of setup we needed to have. Um, but I also think not being a promoter helped us as, as well because we weren't ever approaching it like, hey, let's start, you know, something to make money and like sell tickets. It was like started from a really genuine place. Like we really wanted to do it because it was a party that we wanted to go to rather than just like something to, okay, we're going to do like a 90s night you know, on Wednesday and then an 80s night on Thursday and then emo night on Friday. It was like... This is our only thing, it's because we care about it. So tell me each about your background. I grew up in uh, Park City, Utah. Uh, it's a small ski town, like 30 minutes outside of Salt Lake. I used to ski a lot until I was like 15 and then I started getting into music. Um, How did you get into music initially? My mom is a musician. Um, I was always sort of like raised around music. A lot of people in my family play music. What kind of music did your parents play when you were growing up? I was raised on country music. And then when I was like 14 or 15, I think I illegally downloaded a Dashboard Confessional song on LimeWire. And then everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm from New York, but I moved to Tucson and grew up there. My parents just moved me and my sister to Tucson because they wanted us to like not go to school in the city and shit like that. And um, so that was cool, except everybody there was like a cowboy or a cholo and I was like a Jewy kid from New York. So it was, but everybody got along and it was, we used to just play in bands and get drunk in the desert and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, I grew up in Budapest, Hungary, and I moved to LA when I was like 10 or 11 and, uh... For your parents' jobs? Yeah, my parents got jobs here. They yeah. came here for one summer just to hang out and then they came back after the summer they're like we're just gonna move there so yeah are they creative people yeah well? yeah so they were both in bands that's how they met um they were like fans of each other's bands and so growing up I was around a lot of music and they're also graphic designers so that's why we moved here and uh yeah can you describe the kind of music that they played in their bands Oof, it was like uh experimental noise music mm -hmm. <laughs> really really cool describe your younger self like what age <laughs> teenage years um god i was kind of a bad kid <laughs> i don't know i drove my mom crazy i was never like bad but i was just like i was kind of like bored i was bored of my town felt like I didn't belong there. Like, I couldn't wait to, like, get out. Where did you see yourself, like, that you weren't fitting in? I don't know. I mean, you know, Utah is, like, 95% Mormons, and I was, I was not Mormon. And, uh, you know, on top of that, I was, like, the 1% emo. <laughs> I was, like, the only emo kid in town. You know, I <laughs> played in bands with, it was, like, the same, like, five people in like revolving bands you know how do you think you got that like initial or just like interest in emo that was like super different because it wasn't like the people around you who were sharing that interest was yeah. it like from so it was like from the internet that you saw like this whole other side that you like associate associating yourself more with i guess so yeah my I guess space? it was like the internet that sort of changed things for me it was like my space um you know it was like the more i got into the music the more I got into like the culture around music that I was seeing on the internet my younger self um, that is a you sure <laughs> already uh I mean I was a, I was bad I was a bad kid I did like a I like drugs and booze and in high school they're like you know it's like you can either do sports or like do music and I was like well I'm pretty small so and that seems easier so I'm just gonna do that and I just played in a, a lot of bands in like TJ, um, in U, like Utah, Tucson's like a really small town. So everybody was in like everybody else's bands. That kind of shaped who I, who I was and like who, what I did. So, I mean, I don't do any of that. I'm not like, I'm not a bad kid anymore. I like stopped doing all that shit, but I had to get in trouble a bunch before that happened. What would you say would be like your pivoting point? I moved here and like changed like a lot of stuff and, um, even after I moved here, like, I still wasn't sure, like, what I wanted because I spent, like, a lot of time in my teenage years, like, not, like, I was like, I'm just gonna play, play in kitchens and basements and shitty shows and
get wasted with my friends and make bad decisions, you know? So, like, I, you, that, that whole, like, childhood, you're like, I, you don't really think about what you're going to do until it's, like, too, you know, like, I didn't know anything. So I moved here and um, I started to figure stuff out a little bit more. I what mean, did your parents think about the whole thing? I mean, they're, like, the greatest parents in the world. Like, they really are, like, super supportive. So, the, like, anything that I did, they were, they were, like, any band I want to be in, they're, like, you go for it. Like, they just wanted me to be, like, safe and, you know, make good decisions. But ultimately, like, they knew that, like, they couldn't do that for me. So um, I was fortunate enough to, like, have really great, a good family that was supportive. I mean, they're really pumped on all this shit. Like, my dad wears like ride or cry shirts and shit so it's like, <laughs> so cool yeah it's like my, we made my mom a, a, a mom as fuck shirt oh my god yeah so. that's sick I growing up I was just like a huge nerd I had really big glasses that were bifocals and really thick so they like magnified my eyes and I had braces and I had frizzy hair so I like didn't have many friends and I was bullied a lot and um, I feel like it was emo music that sort of helped me through that because I, in middle school, like the end of middle school and beginning of high school, I started going to emo and pop punk shows, um, a lot by myself and it kind of changed the way I felt because before then I, I was just, I don't know, like floating through life and thinking like that was the norm. Oh, in middle school you get bullied and, and that's just a normal, you know, part of life, but... I feel like that really helped me through it. I don't know. I was always smart and I got straight A's and that like that, that was something that made me happy. Did your parents push you academically or was that just yourself? It was my, myself. I mean, they, you know, they encouraged me to do well in school and everything, but, um, I was always like super self-motivating. What were your favorite subjects back then? Um, like writing. I always liked English and writing and reading and that kind of stuff. Definitely never liked math or anything. <laughs> Did you have other similar events that you like looked up to or you were inspired by to throw this? No, is the thing. We just were like, no, let's just like make it the way that we want to do it. Like, um, we want to put on something that like we would enjoy going to, and like we do like mix a lot of shit in that isn't necessarily like associated with the genre because like we like a lot of different shit and we like a lot of different people and a lot of other different music and shit like that and it was like we found that a lot of people that come to these also feel the same way so um we just want to throw like the best party for everybody who can come how did you make a, the leap to like quit the job that you guys had together did you quit all at once I got, I got fired. Yeah, Morgan got fired. And then me and TJ were still working there. Babs and I quit together. We quit together. We quit on the same day. At the, sa- at like the, in same, the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there was maybe like a month month in between you getting fired and us quitting where, yeah. you know, I one day I was like sitting at a coffee shop helping Morgan with his resume. And I remember I just turned to him and I was like, Let, let's not make a resume for you. Like, we can just do this on our own. And I don't know, he was like, no, I need a resume. And I was like, no, like, we should just do it. And then I started just saying that to TJ every day, too. And we were just like continually like less and less happy with what yeah. we were doing at our other job. And um, I don't know, things just kind of like lined up where yeah. mm-hmm. we needed to leave regardless of yeah. 
and I'm glad we did. Yeah, it's like, and then like, spent like our other jobs, like we were so sick of everybody being like, that won't work, or this isn't gonna work, or like that you can't do that. And I was always just like, why? Why can't we do that? Like, why won't that work? Like, it will. Like, and um, they're like, that idea is too weird. Like, that idea is like not. It just, and I was so sick of everybody saying no to things that were cool that it's nice to like now be able to to do that and if it works or not like at least we we tried it and i think that that is i don't know i'm just so fucking sick of everybody's saying no like it's so annoying the previous job that you guys had do you think you had some skills that you learned there that you brought over to starting this oh yeah yeah absolutely. 100%. was it like yeah. a, it was also like a digital yeah it was digital yeah. strategy and social media and yeah, and I worked at, like, a creative agency. I worked mainly in, like, video stuff. So now we have our own video department here and pretty fucking busy. How far into, like, uh, emo night was it that you, like, quit your jobs? Was it, like, a few months in or...? It was, like, our second one or something or no. third one. No. no. Right? No. It wasn't? Mm-hmm. It was, like, maybe... Like, a year in. A year. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a year. Oh, Yeah. Which, I mean, also, though, our our boss was super supportive of us, me and TJ's boss. Mine wasn't. Yeah, Morgan's wasn't, but me and TJ's boss was super supportive of us doing that and, like, really gave us the freedom to, you know, take emo night phone calls and go to meetings during the work day. And so I'm, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason I got fired. They were like, you need to order toilet paper. And I was like, well, I have to have a call with this record company. And they are like, well, see ya. Why do you think previously Emo Night was non-existent in L.A.? I don't know. I just, I feel like in L.A. Is a, is a really different sort of thing. Like, people do start things to make money, and they're like, I want to be the biggest this. I want to be the biggest that. Like, I'm going to do this. And um, I think that there wasn't, I don't know, maybe there wasn't, like, enough of a... My buddy Keith had something like this that wasn't like this, but, like, it was as close to this as possible for a really long time, uh, called Club Moscow, but it's not at all similar, but it was the closest thing, and, um, I don't know. I mean, there's other things, too, like Dim Up Tuesdays and things like that that existed prior, um, that were just, like, you know, important moments that helped break a lot of bands, or just, like, became these, like, nightlife institutions in Los Angeles. I just think it was like the right time for emo music. How about like when you started touring, did you start seeing, or did you realize before other states had similar emo nights? No, there wasn't like too much stuff like it. They're, they they exist. The thing is like anybody can play emo music at a bar and call it an emo night. Uh, but I think, you know, like the way that we approach it is a lot different than a lot of people would necessarily think um you know we just try to like have as much fun with it and be as creative as possible with it and make it as fun and interesting or weird as we want like whether it's like getting mariachi band to come out and play blink 182 or have a fucking clown singing my chemical romance like you know we just want to push what we can make it be and you know, there's a reason why we start every night like with hip hop music and trap music because we like that. And there's a reason why we invited Ausla to come and like curate a stage is because we like 
that culture and that music, it's not just about like put pigeonholing it into this box of like this music existed during this time period and that's it. It's not about like nostalgia anymore. It's about like all these things that we like, whether it's like creative visuals and memes and clothing and I don't know, music. It's it all like comes together at one point. How about from like when the very early stages, like how do you think you guys separate yourself from like a, any other like week weekly thing that you know there's so many? I think it's exactly sort of what TJ said that you know we very early on realized that there are a lot of people who like emo music that aren't necessarily emo musicians. So I think it was the time when we opened up the event to really any possibility of, of you know bringing in an EDM DJ but who grew up listening to these songs and um, you know inviting everyone and anyone who had a part of this emo scene and still does that I think it you know it set us apart from different emo nights. Did you ever think of it as like a risk of like going into other types of music or like diverging from your original fan base? No, because it all comes back to emo music, you know? Like, everything we do at the core of it has emo in it, and so... Yeah, I mean, I think the other the difference between, like, the other weekly nights and the monthly nights there, they spend, like... Oh, I don't want to speak for them, but, like I, like, I know that we plan this shit, like, 24 hours a day, like, from... We work on it, like... 100% of the time whereas like they're just like I know some people are just like oh yeah I gotta do this thing tonight and show up play the thing and then leave and then don't think about it until the next time that they do the thing and like this engulfs like our whole life and lifestyle and friends and like everything it like consumes all of our time so like um, it's yeah. it's a it's more of like our lives as opposed to like a night yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, any like any given night of the week, at least one of us is out at a show or, you know, like a, an event where people who come to emo night are, you know, it's we're talking 24/7 about things that, you know, we can do in future events. We're planning 6 months or a year ahead and we we take it really really seriously. And it's literally our lives at this point. I mean, it has been since we started. So, I think that that definitely is why it is what it is. How early on did you like figure out the branding with like the logo and everything? I don't think we had our branding until, uh, or we didn't have like this grave logo until um, our after our one year anniversary. Mm -hmm. We put up um, flyers with this grave logo and like a one eight hundred number. We put them all around Echo Park, and we had a secret emo night in January, like after our one year. Um, and people had to like call the number to get an invite to go but it's just like weird shit like that like we could have easily done a, a normal emo night and made a lot more money but it's like we wanted to make it weird and small and intimate and just because it was like more fun for us <laughs> you know how about like your merch was it like your fans asking about it or did you start thinking about merch yourself we just were like wouldn't it be funny if we made a shirt and then we just did that and then it grew into like, you know, oh shit, this is, we can make this, oh, we can make our own clothes, like we can, and it just, it, again, like same thing, like it wasn't planned and it just took a life of its own and, um, and I think that that's why it's been like 
you know, successful is because like it wasn't put out there just to make money. It was put out there to like, again, form like a community. And, and it was also put out there because uh, we designed things that we wanted to wear. So it kind of goes back to starting an event that we would want to go to. And then we realized that we can also make clothing that we would want to wear. Um, and so I think like that was a, that was a driving It's very rare it. that like one of us isn't wearing like one piece. Yeah. I think sometimes we have to, like, force ourselves to do things, too. Like, we have to, like, I don't know, with our, with Emo Night Day, like, we had, I felt like we had to just, like, announce it so that we could figure it out. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it might never happen. But what do you tell yourself when you first started Emo Night? Well, I don't know. Now. <laughs> Make the right choices, please, Morgan. I think I would tell myself to stress out about it less and enjoy it more because we really stress out a lot because we want to make every event perfect and we want everything to be so good and everyone to have such a good time that I think it takes a toll on us and, you know, we feel pressure to make every event better. Um, so I would tell myself to just enjoy it more. Yeah. I would tell myself... Um, to just keep focusing on doing what you guys are doing, you know, and worrying less about what other people think. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's so, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes because there's, you know, you get like 200 positive comments and then you get like one negative one and you'll just like focus on that, like one negative person. And if you engage, like, then it just like goes off into this spiral and it's really I don't know it, it's like not good for for anybody I mean like I was talking to dudes that run that brand of the t-shirt that you're wearing right yesterday and I was like yo because we we gave them uh they went they were gonna go to this event yesterday and I was like did you guys go and he's like dude I got caught up in like legal shit like people are pissed and I was like and we were both like fuck dude you're not doing something right until somebody's like so mad at you like, all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you get it. So every time, like, I hear some some shit, I'm like, oh, well, at least I'm doing something. Like, if nobody feels anything towards what you're doing, and they're like, um, what's that word where you, like, don't love it or don't hate it? Indifferent. You know, if you're, like, indifferent about something, that's bad. You know, that's, like, worse than hating it. Like, I'd rather somebody hate what I'm doing than be indifferent about it. And, um, you know, the, the great thing about you and I is, like, 99% of the people, like, really, really like it. And then you have people that are just mad at everything. So why not be mad at us? Yeah? What would you say would be your biggest struggle since you started? Maintaining life, your life, and also work. Oh, life and work balance. Yeah, just separating our work from our personal lives. Because it, it's pretty much impossible. Yeah. Um, there, you know, there's no... There's not really... A, you, can, you can't really take a day off fully and not at one point check in and, and engage with what's going on. How did you come up with the phrase like following up on emails since? <laughs> oh. Because it's literally what we do. Yeah. It's every day I send at least 10 emails that are, hey, just following up on this. And that's kind of what has gotten us here. Yeah. We, we just, just follow up until it happens. Yeah. We're just... Sometimes it takes two years. Yeah, man. I mean, there are email chains that go back two years that are maybe like 200 messages in that chain and a hundred of them are just following up
Ride or Cry is different. Like, it, it is different because we work with, like, other artists and companies in, in the entertainment industry. Um, and it's not all emo-related. Like, it's, it's different because we, when we came from our other jobs, we were like, well, we also like that stuff. Like, we all don't want to lose that and only do emo night because, like, it's cool because some of it is, like, an outlet of release for the other thing. You know, like, we did emo night for the last three days. Then I come back and shoot a music video tomorrow. So it's, like, doing... But it's for an emo band. But it's for... Yeah, it's for an emo band. But, like, also we do stuff that's not. Yeah. You know, so it's, like, it's an... It's a... It gives us, like, a an excuse to be, like, creative in, like, a different area than it's than just us yeah but it's cool in that way where the music video he's shooting tomorrow is an emo band and so it's a band that we really really love and And they played emo night twice they played emo night twice they just dj'd last month too and it's really cool to be able to have the resources to then make a music video for them or you know work with them in a different capacity than just having them come to emo night Um, I think it's different because we don't really put limits on what we can do. Um, So sometimes we'll get approached to do something that we've never done and have no idea how to do, and we kind of approach it like emo night, where we say, this sounds cool, we're going to do it, and then we just figure it out, even though we've never done it before. And there's really no limit to what what we can do and what we want to do. It's just like whatever sounds interesting and cool and, you know, sounds like we want to put work into it. Yeah, and at this point, we've built the company up, like, so much that, like, we do have the resources to, like, pretty much anything that you throw at us, we can we can handle with and make it, like, really cool. It's, like, anything. Last question. What do you want um, Emo Night and Rider of Cry to be remembered for? Like, I mean, same kind of things that, like, I look up to other companies and be like, man, they did something cool and they did it different. And they made a small impact in, like, a really kind of dark world right now you know like they made like some sort of positivity whether it's like through being creative through throwing a night through making people happy through like you know shooting a fucking music you know affecting somebody's life in some way instead of just like making money you know like people to look back on our parties and be like holy shit like that was crazy those were crazy times and like look at all this like good music or these good bands that came out of it or like these new younger bands that came out of that whole like world that they're that was happening yeah i want people to be like yo those guys are nice and they threw a really cool party and did good work yeah i i i want both ride or cry and emo night to be remembered as you know companies that came from a really genuine place um yeah sweet thank you (laughs) yeah